0: This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Born and in a world by the fate of a soul. Bad priest. Episode 2 Just Cigarettes Sex, drugs, and alcohol. You can get all of these in prison, but they ain't the kind you want. The nieces, however, they have the best of all three. The place was busier than I remember for this time of day, and I spot at least a dozen patrons. Half of them are at the bar, while the other half are in Pervert's Row. The seat's right in front of the stage. I suspect there are at least half as many in the back rooms as well. At present, the stage is empty, but I know Denise's rule. No matter what time it is, there's to be no more than a five minute break between sets. Which means... No fucking way. I recognize the voice and whip around. Davy Skump stands with his hands on his hips his large muscles nearly bursting from the tight black t-shirt that he wears. There's a little gray at the temples of his short hair, but the only real change I see in the man from eight years ago is that he seems to have put on a little size. And judging by the veins that cascade down his biceps and into the country hams he has as forearms, it's all muscle. Father Colbannon, in the flesh? I scratch the back of my head, somewhat uncomfortable with the encounter. Just Cole man hurries over to me and holds out his hand. I have no choice but to slap his palm, knowing that if I didn't, the blow would strike me in the shoulder and probably send my six-foot frame toppling. When our hands meet, he pulls me into a bro-hug. Davy's grip is tight, like iron. Wait, did you just... He doesn't have to finish his sentence. Yep, about half an hour ago. I pull out my cigarettes and show them to him. Just came in here for some smokes. ha. <laughs> Yeah, smokes. But light one up then. I don't need to be asked twice. No sooner than I'd taken my first drag, Davy raises his hand and indicates for one of the scantily clad women to come over. You still drink Johnny Red, right? Before I can answer, he's already addressing the cocktail waitress. Johnny Red for my friend. His smile grows even wider and the special I'm not sure what the special is but I grow increasingly uncomfortable when I see the look on the girl in the pink lingerie's face no I'm just fuck that how long were you in for bro I look down eight years eight years for that No, you're having the special and it's on the fucking house I know better than to argue with the big man as the waitress scurries off he guides me to a table near the back it's not quite the champagne room but it's far enough in the shadows that unless you were specifically looking in the direction, you wouldn't notice me, just the way I wanted. I take the seat in the back of the booth, and he slides in across from me. You were in Central, right? Yeah. You ever meet my boy? Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and get your dicks hard for Chastain! The lights dim, and the music changes. It's such a dramatic shift that even Davey, who has probably seen every act ever put on at Denise's at least a dozen times, turns to look. I, myself, was familiar with most of the regulars, but strip clubs have a greater turnover rate than McDonald's employees. I don't recognize Chastain, either in name or looks, but I'm not complaining. She's tall, with legs for days, blonde hair and a pretty face. She's wearing a black corset outfit, And I know this isn't going to stay on for long. Both of us watch as she begins her dance. I don't know if it's because I've been in the joint for eight years, but for some reason, the way she moves seems almost hypnotic. It matches perfectly with the music, something that's also odd. Like I told you before, Denise's isn't a classy joint, and this usually extends to the talent. The strippers aren't meth heads. Denise would never allow that. But they aren't college girls trying to work their way through school either. But this girl this chastain she was something your special has arrived davy grins we'll catch up after enjoy yourself father i want to correct him again and say that i no longer go by father cole bannon or father or priest or anything other than just cole but the cocktail waitress in the pink steals my attention as does the tray that she places on my table when she sidles beside me on the tray are two things A heavy pour of a brown liquid which i presume to be johnny red and a small baggie of white powder which i presume to be cocaine my first assumption is confirmed and it's fucking delicious it burns but it's a good burn the entirety of the johnny walker red goes down in just a few gulps i reach for the bag of cocaine next unsure of what to do with it i'm tempted to do a line right here nobody would care if i did hell Davy expects me to, but before I can decide, the cocktail waitress suddenly drops to her knees. Like the woman on stage, it's a fluid movement, and before I realize it, she's already situated between my legs, expertly forcing my knees open with her elbows. No. It's a weak refusal, and when she unzips with the fly on my jeans and reaches inside, any sort of chivalrous attitude I might have had is gone out the window. 8 years. Eight long fucking years. I'm completely out of my jeans now, fully hard, no longer even hearing the booming music, or caring about the fact that I'm about to get a blowjob inside a strip club, clutching a bag of coke in one hand and an empty glass in the other. She pinches me, and I'm thinking, hell, this is gonna be special. When I look down at her, I'm surprised to see that she's staring back up at me, grinning. Then something happens. The lights in the club flicker, or maybe a strobe just goes off, and her pretty blue eyes change. It's just an illusion, but it's creepy as hell nonetheless. Her irises turn a greenish-yellow, and her pupils seem to stretch, becoming almost reptilian in nature. You like that, Father Man? What the hell? I drive her backward with my knees, and she falls on her ass. As I struggle to pull up my pants, Davey hurries over. What's wrong? His eyes dart accusingly toward the girl on the ground. Uh, I, I don't know. I was giving him the special, just like the you- The special? The fuck is wrong with your eyes and your voice? The girl looks confused and hurt. My eyes? Now Davy is looking at me the same way he was just looking at her. I know what he's thinking. What they're both thinking. That I went batty in the clink. I wouldn't be the first inmate to come out of prison with a heavy dose of PTSD. But this isn't that. I saw her change. I saw her eyes change, and her voice. What the fuck was that all about? Davy helps the girl to her feet, and then whispers something in her ear. I watch her collect herself, mainly just her pride at this point, and then hurry back to wherever she came from. That coke is some pretty strong shit. Almost pure. I shake my head, and then show Davy the unopened bag in my right hand. I didn't even... And that's when shit goes to hell. The front door blows open. Not the small one from the convenience store, but the dual double doors that are usually guarded by at least one bouncer. Sunlight floods Denise's, blinding most patrons. Being near the back means that I'm gratefully spared the aggressive photons. A large black man in a t-shirt matching Davies stumbles in from outside then falls on his face. Then the cavalry rolls in. Albuquerque PD, everyone get down now. I had eight years to think about a moment like this. Eight long fucking years. And yet, on my second go round, I do the exact same thing I did back then. I freeze. Everyone get the fuck down. The music cuts out and flashlights banish what little darkness remains inside the club. Now, I know what you're thinking, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I should just get on my knees and do exactly as the cops say. But as a once practicing priest, I learned the value of details. Let's not overlook the fact that I literally got out of prison a half hour ago, my pants are practically hanging around my knees, my pecker's getting cold, and I'm holding a baggie of cocaine in one hand. My only saving grace is that Davey had shuttled me to the back of the club, the furthest spot from the front doors. Even though several flashlights have already lit me up, they don't linger, and this allows enough time for my mind and body to thaw. The first thing I do is put the cocaine in my pocket. A better idea would have been to throw it away, but I have limited time and I need to get something out of my jeans. I swap the coke for something else, then reach for my throat just as the nearest officer comes up to me and splashes my face with blinding light. You, get on the ground. I fumble with my collar, trying desperately to get it into place. I said, get on the fucking ground. I give up on subtlety and just roughly attach my dog collar moments before it looks like the cop is going to smash my jaw with the butt of his MP5. Sinner! A strange expression crosses the cop's face, and I see now that he's a young man and that this might be his first raid. For once, my luck seems to have turned. I hold my hands out to my sides in a religious pose. Father? I nod and then point to the closest patron, which just happens to be a Hispanic man with a shaved head and tattoos crawling up his neck. Sinner! You're all sinners! The confused police officer glances over his shoulder. We got a, a priest in here. No, no, a priest. Hey, Mando, what do, I, what do I do with a priest? All of the other officers were preoccupied, and Mando doesn't reply. The cop's assault rifle is still more or less pointed in my direction, but now the muzzle is lazily aimed at my hip and not my face. The cop, still confused, backs away, trying to get the attention of his superior. This is my chance, and now, unlike eight years ago, I seize it. Moving quickly, but making sure to stick to what little shadows remain, I slide my way around the back of the booth, careful to avoid the gaze of all patrons and police officers. I don't go for the front doors. It would be impossible to get by everyone, caller or not. But I just happen to know of a secret four-foot-high door that leads to the adjacent convenience store. Maybe it's religious intervention. Or maybe it's just sheer dumb luck. Whatever the reason, I make it to the door and slide out without being noticed. Once I'm inside the convenience store, I don't hesitate. I turn and run, sprinting by the man with the freckles who still stood behind the counter, oblivious to the raid next door. Where are you going? Hey! Hey! I ignore him and rush outside. Denise's main parking lot is packed with police cars, and I don't see Diego's vehicle anywhere. For a brief moment, I'm certain that he bailed, and once again, I wouldn't blame him. But Diego is as loyal as they come. I spot his yellow car behind a dumpster, just out of sight of the front doors. I sprint toward it, and as I near, Diego reaches behind his seat and opens the rear door. I'm barely inside the vehicle when Diego hits the gas, his tires spinning for a moment before gaining traction on the loose gravel. Go! Go! And we go, jumping the curb and landing harshly on the road. I whip around, staring over the back seat and out the rear window, praying that the cops don't follow. Just cigarettes. Right, Father Cole? I reach up and touch my collar. This time, I don't correct my friend. Maybe I'm not quite done with priesthood yet. But for every jam that the white collar has gotten me out of, it has gotten me into ten times more. This has been Bad Priest, Episode 2, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. Additional voice acting by Andrew Logan and Ashley Logan. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash badpriestpodcast.